0: Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Hole, a music discussion podcast. This is the second of a four-part Mike Patton and Faith No More series, the first of which was our last episode in which your hosts went through a Faith No More discography overview. This episode will focus on the extended Mike Patton works. This includes what is not limited to lovage, Tomahawk, Phantom Moss, and of course, the mighty Mr. Bungle. If you've come here for John Zorn talk, I apologize, there is not going to be much of that. Next time, we will eat the main course of two episodes worth of in-depth track-by-track analysis of Faith No More's Angel Dust. Join us for our conversation already in progress of Mike Patton's Extended Works.
1: No, it sounds
2: funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow.
0: So that's all the Faith No More that's fit to print. Uh, what's amazing about Faith No More... Is it gave Mike Patton the opportunity to get his other band signed. And I to this day cannot believe that we even know who Mr. Bungle is. And the reason we do is because Faith the Moore made a lot of money, and the record label said, Hey Mike Patton, you're in another band? Who's that? He said, That's oh, Mr. Bungle.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: That's my other band here. Here's a record contract. Give us three albums. And uh, Mr. Bungle went on to make three of the most weirdest goddamn records that were ever put out on a major label in the history of music on Warner Brothers records. And it's completely baffling that they exist. Um, throughout the Mr. Bungle started. It was it was Mike Trevor Dunn on bass, Trace Bruins on guitar. They were high school buddies. They were from Eureka. California, which is a a sleepy area off the coast up north. They put out a lot of demos in the 80s, which were mashups of thrash metal, of ska, of weird sounds. And um, still the talent was there. The musical capabilities were there. Um, A lot of those demos are really schizophrenic.
2: What's up? Welcome to Mr. B's new demo. Bugging out, homes. It's our fourth demo, y'all. On the fourth of July. Y'all know four times four equals sixteen tracks. What? Divided by two, which is half of four, equals OU818. Ah, shit. Yo, Trey, what's a goddamn drum machine? Oh damn. What if the motherfucker was done? You done, motherfucker? What the fuck we going do now? Let, 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 let me bust this van Halen out one time. Yo. Oh, chill. Hey, Holmes. John Holmes? Heard that motherfucker died of AIDS or something crazy like that, man. No way. Yeah man, I heard he fucked 14,000 bitches, man. Oh. Hi Yo, mm-hmm. man, that's fucked up. Yeah. And how? You know the square root of 14 million is.
0: I listened to all of them for this podcast, and I have to say they were all better than I expected. When you go back and listen to a band's early demos, usually you're getting ready to cringe to low, low quality, badly produced songs. Uh, Most of those songs ended up on their title record, their debut album on a major label. And then the other ones were on a re-released album that came out decades later that we'll get to in a minute uh but i actually I, I think if you if anyone's ever bored and they're near youtube if you look up mr bungle demos they're not bad uh but that first album's where you're gonna hear most of that stuff the first album mr bungle just yeah.
3: Self-titled. self-titled
0: yeah Their first record, Mister Muggle, came out in nineteen ninety-one. Uh, this might as well have been the album—the album that gave us Slipknot, in my opinion. Between the, uh, the 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 heaviness, the weirdness, and uh, the clown imagery.
3: Um, well, if anything, I mean, I'm not to cut you off <laughs> here, but I do think that uh, during this time, Mike Patton was wearing a mask, uh, like it to that Slipknot point, and I don't even think that he wanted to have any of his, uh, fame from faith. No more bleed over over yeah, here.
0: He was like, uh, Hey, for
3: I, a while there, he like Vlad Dracula or something was yeah, the, Vlad- the Dracula. vocalist.
0: Vlad, Vlad Drac. And he used, uh, yeah, the, he used his notoriety and his ability to get them signed as one thing, but then didn't want to cash in on the good looks anymore. Um, but that first record is good. Mr. Muggle came out in 1991. It's a, it's a strange record. Uh, the production is kind of, uh, it's got some songs that sound kind of like a patchwork of different recording sessions. But, um, I think that the musicianship and Mike Patton's, uh, vocals on it are still great throughout it. Um, my son, I was listening to it with him in the car and he was like, dad, is this, is this jazz and rock and roll? I was like, it is son. Yes. He's like, wow. I didn't know you could do this. um,
4: yeah, it's a, it's a it good can record. It can be both things. It can be, it can both, be both things, things
0: kiddo. Uh, My ass is on fire and slowly going deaf Or two tracks on it that I really like. Uh, the Girls of Porn is a hilarious song. And
3: it, it just, it
0: goes, it does what Mr. Bungle does and what influenced a lot of other bands that ilk to do. It goes from funk to death metal, the to doo-wop, to circus music. It's not for the, the weak at heart. Um, it's all there in that first record. It is a goofball album at the same time. When I went back and listened to it all the way through, it was actually better than I remembered. I don't dislike any of their three albums, but that one I kind of always was like, ah, it's that one with all the horns. No, it's got more going on than that. I actually think Mr. Bungle's first album was really, really good. Uh, what do you think, Mark?
3: It is really good. I mean, um yeah I mean I'm
0: going to put you in the spot I didn't describe it well how would you describe it to somebody
3: it would be sounding like um, because there's elements of almost every genre of music on this record there's ska there's punk there's metal there's jazz Um, this it's just with mixed with like going to the circus, uh, I don't know, like seeing one of those uh Rob Zombie directed movies, uh, that kind of circus, uh, it just a little bit of Pee Wee Herman thrown in there, there's uh samples, uh, <laughs> there's just so much going on. I think there's like two samples uh that talk about mr bungle like mr bungle doesn't wash his hands from like an educational uh video and then the other one is from a porn Ooh, mr bungle that
0: was before the internet they had to look for that stuff that that yeah. uh
4: that first <laughs> that first non-porn one was actually from p.e herman it was from his live hbo special and they played like oh really. Old, antique like hygiene video. And it was, yeah, it was that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. funny connection, funny connection.
3: But when I first heard this one, okay. So, uh, the truth be told the first Mr. Bungle record that I heard was California. I was blown away of how good it was, especially being a faith no more fan. I was blown away. Like literally that one is a fucking masterpiece. Um, and then that's where I went backwards and, uh, you know, working at the record store, you had some other Mike Patton nerds working there. And so then they would, uh, the second record that they would uh, normally recommend would be this one, the self-titled. And then for the true heads that are really ready to put their waiters on, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's where the disco Volante comes in because that record, even though it's good, you really have to work yourself into knowing what Mr. Bungle can do because uh, that one, oh boy, that
0: record that is not for
3: the fan of art.
0: yeah, we'll talk about it in literally a few minutes. But when you know what you're getting into, disco Volante is easier to deal with. When you don't know what you're getting into, it could be a mm-hmm. rough time.
3: definitely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's where like people are like. Okay, if you really want to tr- like be like a true Mike Patton head, you're a big fan of Disco Volante. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Mister. B- the first, I mean, it, it's still this this record has like you know some songs that do have actually verse, chorus, verse. That's got some rocking parts on it. I, I I enjoy it. It's if you go look at like what are uh, Mike Patton's best ranked albums, you'll usually find Mister Bungle, self titled, and California in the top five uh, for any like all encompassing, all of Mike Patton's discography rankings amongst the sure. Internet. Eric, what'd you think of it?
4: As mentioned, this is my introduction to Mike Patton. Uh, this, my friend, Greg Walgast. That's right. Strong me into get it, buying this off of BMG or Columbia house. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I like the bass work. Uh, I fucking Squeezed Me Macaroni when I was 13 it was the funniest song I've ever heard in my life. And now that I'm 42, I went back from, oh God, this is fucking disgusting to, uh, holy shit, this is kind of an amazing track, especially when it goes into we came to party. That's right. We came to party all night long. And then you got the... Ah, my fucking beer, man! You got the Dennis, the Dennis Hopper. Uh, uh, That being said, it's what produced by John Zorn, and you can tell this. uh, I don't know when I, I, you can't go home again. I this was my introduction to Mike Patton, and when I was thirteen, I thought I was this. I was in the stratosphere with crazy music. Now when I listen to it, I'm not really enjoying myself too much on this album, unfortunately. That's
0: fair. I ended up liking it more than I used to. You end up liking it less. That happens. volante came out in 1995 uh, disco volante they definitely lean into the avant-garde there is a lot of different genres on that record um my son has a quote for this record too i guess i was driving around with him on this one and he said what was that is this music is that another language that's uh, how my son referred to disco volante saying i think that it once you know what you're getting into disco volante's easier to deal with but it's a tough record um it's got some parts though it's like i don't feel like you gotta eat your vegetables i don't feel like you need to like work for it i feel like most of the stuff is there the good stuff comes up up front but when i do listen to it now i do i do find parts that uh i missed before that I'm like, oh wow, that's neat. Like I just I miss that. Like there's a, like it, it, it repeated listening, uh, it rewards it. Uh, such tracks as "Chemical Marriage" and "Carry Stress in the Jaw" are uh, pretty good and a lot of fun. But uh, and uh, "Desert Search for Techno Allah" is another one, which is a future vision of the band Secret Chiefs. But uh, this, the the highlight of that album is the closing track "Mary Go Bye Bye," which manages to sound nostalgic for something that never existed. It sounds like the Beach Boys, and then it sounds like crazy noise death metal stuff, but then it brings it all back home, and man, to blend it together, it's a wonderful song that merry-go-bye-bye.
2: Bring back the pain.
0: I assume you didn't listen to Disco Volante much when you were younger. What'd you think of it?
4: No, I listen. I was ready for it. Disco Volante. It's the name of uh, Goldfinger's yacht from James Bond. It's a great reference. I was I was hyped. And listen, I love that they lean into the Italian Giallo score work, and it does happen more than a few times in this record, um, but. Uh the groove, the the buy-in, the, the things that get me hyped happen few and far between on this one. Uh this was the one that in my re-listen I was really hoping would finally make sense and shine a light on me, and it did the opposite, unfortunately. That being said, Desert Search for the Techno Allah is a weird masterpiece that I really did enjoy. Um sadly Sadly, I will not be boarding the Disco Volante anytime soon. Did you make it to the last track, "Merry go bye bye Yeah, no, I did, and that's a great one. That is a great one. Mark, where do you land on Disco Volante today?
3: I mean, it's still my... It might actually be my second favorite. I actually do think the self-titled may be number three out of their... Well, no, the raging wrath of the Easter bunny probably is for me, but, um, I will say that this one was a challenging record when I first listened to it, I would already had been exposed to Phantom Moss, So I definitely know what Mike Patton is capable of doing. I think I even, uh, listened to adult themes for voice, uh, which was just, he, re- uh, Mike Patton's released three, um, different soul albums under his own name and that first one is a rough listen do not do it no um, it's not it's not music it's not music it's nothing it's mike patton being bored and it's it's not good people bought it though but go for it yeah um, exactly whenever i saw that come through used or even we carried it new i'd be like who the fuck is gonna buy this goddamn
0: we, weird completists they yeah
3: um Horrible, um, But yes, this song, or this song, this particular album is very challenging, but des- Desert Search for Technoala essentially just spawned the whole Secret Chiefs. That song is basically a template for surf, guitar, uh, desert music. Um, after School Special um, is, I think, that might be the most straight-down Broadway, or maybe I'm thinking of Chemical Marriage. Um, but... Chemical, Mar- is...
0: Chemical marriage is the one that goes. Yeah, sounds
3: like it should be on the Muppet Show. Yeah, yeah, Mamma Mia, or at least a, uh, a Tim Burton. Like I could see like Edward Scissorhands sculpting a thing as that song is playing. The Benz is a concept song um, where. Phantom moss essentially took this 10 minutes and turned it into an hour for delirium cordia um again go bye bye
0: but still good go on
3: and then Mary go bye bye um, is uh, as Steve once put it like if you listen to these all in a row it is basically you're you're essentially going on a boat through a storm and if you open it up right with the next album Sweet Charity you've hit land Yeah, you've hit uh, the tropic, tropical islands I
0: definitely feel um, like they, 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 they had to have thought of that song when they started writing California touch
2: with me and you walking into suicide. Message into space
1: as I die.
2: Bring back the shame of a man for of you. Get on your
3: But uh, it's not bad, honestly. Um, if you are fully involved with Mike Patton's shtick, you'll like this. If you don't, you will like Eric. Want to give this back to the Native Americans? <laughs> 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 Whatever that means, Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts
4: or the the Italians? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs>
3: um.
0: Yeah, they they. So then they. They went to San Francisco or they went back to San Francisco. They recorded in a, uh, in a, somewhere on the road, uh, the, in the neighborhood off the street named Shotwell, which I used to live off Shotwell for a minute, which I, I appreciate that somewhere Mr. Bungle is recording records down there. Um, but they recorded and released California in 1999. In California is a masterpiece. It is very listenable. It's as eclectic as the other albums, but it's just very listenable. The different genres is cohesive. The foundation of the whole record, though, is kind of throwbacks to classical-sounding music. Uh, You got some, got some Beach Boys in there. You've got some sun-drenched, you know, that Burt Bacharach stuff in there. Um, But then you're gonna have flashes of like Looney Tunes cartoon sounds, death metal guitars again, chants, robot sounds, um, opera but it all is so cohesive. The songs all work on their own and also flow together very well. Uh, California is like my everything record. It's probably in my top 10 albums of all time. Uh, I, I, I never get tired of it. As soon as it's done, I want to hear it again. They didn't have any samples on it. Everything on it is done live, which is just bizarre when you listen to it. Um, There's nothing else to say about it. Like, it's just something that I I feel that when it came out, the critics were like, hey, this is great. I can't believe this. The fans were like, holy crap, this is great. This is better than we expected. They toured a little bit. I saw them on the Snowcore tour where they were wildly out of place with uh, uh, System of a Down and Incubus. (laughs) Um, But uh, they still played live. And uh, I'm glad I caught them. And uh, Mike Patton's vocals on it are amazing. Oh,
1: oh. You're not human. You're a miracle, a creature with an animal DNA.
0: He's also starting to, as he sings, he's playing weird keyboards and synths live, which is kind of a defeat in itself to do two things at once. The band is tight, and uh, I just can't, it's California, man. I, I it's, it's an album, it is weird, but very easy on the ears. Uh, my brother likes it. My wife, I put it on around her, she doesn't mind it. it. But still, it scratches my itch for the weirdness and the rock that I want from a quality... Mr. Bungle or Mike Patton adjacent record. Uh, California is their masterpiece, and it is a masterpiece, and I cannot say enough good things about California. you agree with everything I say?
3: I mean, uh, that and uh, I'll double down and say, I think this is Mike Patton's just masterpiece record. Out of all of his career, this is the one that's, uh, I think, flawless. Uh, I, th- As much as I love Faith No More, um, this album, um, I mean, honestly, when I was constructing the list, I figured that we'd talk about Faith No More because uh, I felt that might be a bit more palatable But, you know, this record could have easily been chosen for me. Um, It is an amazing piece of work. It was recorded uh, traditionally, like with an analog system versus digitally. And so just the amount of effort that probably took, uh, you know, just shows the level of detail that they were really going for. Um, I mean, reading through some of the interviews that various members of the band have said that this wasn't really premeditated this wasn't just like um mm-hmm. you know i think uh, bar mckinnon said it's not like we were trying to reward our audience for listening to white noise for all those years we really just kind of collaborated and just put everything on, on the table at the same time i don't know yeah it's, uh, it's the song like written-
0: if you could say that there's a like Higher power is not the word, but, like, there was an energy or something in the zeitgeist that they were all, like, in tune to at the same time that ended up making this this album where it definitely seems like there's a thread that, you know, is uh, some of those classical sounds. But they said that it, it wasn't premeditated. So, I believe yeah. it.
3: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, uh, and that's the thing of, like, whenever... Like, you think of Mr. Bungle, for me, because of just the quality of this work, I mean, now they're not touring any of these songs. Um, And it is unfortunate. It is something that, um, you know, should be rectified, hopefully, at some point before they all call it a day. Um, It is just uh, an amazing piece of work. Song Retro Vertigo, written by Trevor Dunn, uh, the bass player, um, is unbelievable. It is unbelievable have, how hard that's, that song hits. Goodbye Sober Day will always be an excellent album closer with uh, Mike Patton doing the monkey chant. Um, that is a world music thing, um, so it's not like he brought that out of nowhere. Um, that is a nod to a type of singing um, and uh, probably a Thailand monks or something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Pink Cigarette, uh, the kind of Brian Setzer uh, version of what Mr. Bungle would do with uh, none of them knew there were robots. Uh, just so good. Everything, everything on this record. Sweet Charity is a Beach Boys song that is not a Beach Boys song. Uh, it's just a fucking amazing piece of work. And I, uh, I'll i show it to anybody um, whenever I want to. Talk about Mike Patton. That's that's one of the records I'll always pull out.
0: Yeah. And let's not give I me mean, the rest. Let's not give the rest of the band short shrift. Of course, we're talking about Mike Patton tonight, but like the band is just incredible on that record. They're tight. They're. I can't believe they wrote some of those songs. Like we said before, Trace Bruins is a guitar player is amazing. Mark Namecheck, Trevor Dunn's writing of uh, Retro Vertigo. And retrover- Retro Vertigo might be one of my favorite songs of all time. And there's a part in yeah. it where they hit this bell and every time I listen to it like I have to hit the bell with the song like you know what I mean like this bell hits and I got to go bong like when it does it it's a uh, that song's great yeah. retro vertigo just it takes me to a happy place of them knew they were robots what a great song title. it's not even about Battlescar galactica what a great song title.
3: um yeah the air-conditioned nightmare and just even like some of the more uh even the experimental songs on here um they're still just great now um, the making- song that i'm thinking of is Gollum 2 uh the or the holy filament um Morris Morendi. I mean, some of these are like, there is some experimentation happening, but like you said, Steve, everything is just so smooth on the ears.
0: Yeah. And they rain yeah. the, the weird, they rain the weirdness in before it gets too weird. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, the album's got so many memorable moments once you listen to it like our smir- that song
3: that like you could like uh um have like two people on unicycles uh juggling like butcher knives
1: yeah
3: <laughs> that is some pure like great vocal work yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it's all good. And I, I hear what you're saying where the most recent version of Mr. Bungle is uh, not playing this stuff and we'll talk about it briefly and then we're going to go through the rest of these uh, bands very, we're going to do quick hits. But uh, I don't think you can play this album unless you get those particular people all back. And I don't think they're like, I don't know if Bar McKinnon and whoever else are coming back and doing it anytime soon, so I just think they're all too
2: different of a place.
3: Eric, what do you think of California?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm moving to,
0: favorite. I'm tired of it. The taxes and I'm getting out of here. Gavin Newsom's too much. I'm moving to
4: Idaho. Thanks Gavin <laughs> for $5 gas. Uh, no, no, I, I'll take the $5 gas. I'll drink it. I'll, I'll put my mouth over that gas pump and I'll take it. Uh, I do. I, California by Mr. Bungle is my favorite. Of the Mike Patton projects, it is a. I, I can't add to anything that you said. Uh, all I will say is, for the listeners, somebody that's not uh, a follower of the Patton cult cannot deny the the innovation on this record, mm-hmm. but it still remains uh, enjoyable, fun and exciting Uh, and you can listen to it a hundred times and that will still be your takeaway from it. It's great.
0: Yeah, I I I, it stays true to their mission statement of weirdness, but they wrote a really good record and I just uh, I'm so happy it exists. It's just it's such a good piece of art, a good piece of music. Everybody should give it a shot. If you take one way thing away tonight no matter what genre of music you listen to, if you're one of those weirdos that listens to our podcast and you listen to the ones where like, well, there, there you go. First things, if you just listen to us, you're weird. But then if you listen to the, like, I, I hope that people listen to the episodes of music. They have no, they could give a shit about it. They're like, what the fucking Peter Gabriel? No, thanks. I still hope you listen to the Peter Gabriel episode. And then I really hope you gave Peter Gabriel a chance. But if you take one thing away from all this Mike Patton blabbling. Give California a shot if you've never listened to the record California by Mr. Bungle. It's it's beautiful.
1: Even the bomb.
0: To waste too much more time or waste is the word but uh, to the Red Hot Chili Peppers thing I will say that there was this ongoing feud with the Red Hot Chili Peppers through the 90s that was kind of one-sided on Red Hot Chili Peppers' side but then like the Red the, the Mr. Bungle named this album California I, I don't know if they did it knowingly but Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers was coming out around the same time Anthony Kiedis like forced the record label to push out Mr. Bungle's release date I believe something crazy like that and uh, if that wasn't what he did, I do know for sure he got them kicked off some festival dates. And to this day, um, Trace Bruins hates them because he like they lost a lot of money because they, they they got kicked off some European festival dates. Because Anthony Kiedis could not stand uh, Mr. Bungle for mocking them or perceiving to mock them in the past. If you want to know more about that, Google it. There's plenty of inks built on it. But uh it kind of started out in in in, in 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 Anthony Kiedis's head, then Mr. Bungle kind of exasperated it and uh, did some uh, some play acting at a show that was a little in bad taste, and then that really sent Anthony Kiedis off a deep end. So, there, he, just look it up.
4: I would I would um, say that Anthony Kiedis's like sex raps are so fucking awkward and gross that "Squeeze Me Macaroni." Might be a parody of his entire entire fucking shtick. And and that works for me. That's that. That's fucking hilarious.
3: <laughs> so I uh, will uh, give it away as a terrible song, by the way.
0: Red Hot Chili Peppers have less than eight good songs. Um, they re-released their first demo like two years ago. The Raging Rast of the Easter Bunny. They, uh, it it was Trevor, Mike and Trey, and they got uh, Dave Lombardo, super drummer of, uh, Slayer, who we'll talk about again tonight. And, um, Scott Ian, super shredder from Anthrax. And they've been touring and playing the majority of the, their first demo. I like the record they put out. It's pretty thrashy. Um, it's a thrash record, but for that genre, I think it's one of the better thrash albums and, um, Yeah, give it a shot. We're going to move on and I want to wrap this up tonight, but I do want to talk about some of these other artists that were in this, this thing that whose records we've been buying for decades here, but we're going to go quickly. And Mike Patton released a a vanity label is not really the word, but he and a friend put out, they started Ipecac records in their early aughts to release any kind of music they want. Ipecac is what you drink when you want to throw up. And I buy for a while, I would buy anything that uh, came out in Ipecac, And then I didn't have disposable income like that anymore. And they've released some pretty weird stuff. Uh, one of the first artists that came out on there was Phantom Moss. was probably the first big post-Faith No More act with Mike Patton. And they released four records, uh, the self-titled Phantom the director's cut in 2001, Delirium Cordia in 2004 and Suspended Animation in 2005. Phantomoss was and is Mike Patton. Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. Trevor Dunn from Mr. Bungle on bass. And Dave Lombardo from Slayer on drums. <laughs> A lot of what Phantomos does is uh, not verse, chorus, verse. It is kind of like freestyle jazz, but it's written. I think there's some of that crazy Brian Eno, like, you know, Brian Eno, John Zorn, uh, writing a number down on a sketch card and then trying to play what music might go along with it, stuff going on. I think all their four albums are pretty solid in different ways. The second album, The Director's Cut, is definitely a highlight. The Director's Cut is probably also my top five patent projects of all time definitely in the top 10. The director's cut was just a bunch of covers of music or uh, I'm sorry uh, scores like music from movies uh Night of the Hunter, Rosemary's Baby, The Godfather, Twin Beaks and then a bunch of like really old 1940s 1930s stuff which is Mike Patton's whole deal.
2: Best
0: Are pretty good uh, What do you guys think of Phantom Mas in general What's your favorite Phantom Mas album
3: So for me, uh, yeah, the director's cut Is certainly the, uh, the Shining gem in that discography But you're right, all four records Are, are very solid Suspended animation has kind of this Cartoony sound effect uh, But was in the form of a calendar For the artwork it, uh, For the month of April Every song was a, a day uh, For that month and even though it had uh, such a very cartoony, uh, uh, theme. Um, and then delirium cordia, it's about an hour, uh, about a surgical nightmare. Um, and this is once again, Mike Patton playing with the idea of concepts. They didn't tour that that particular album. And every now and then when they would tour, they would do like a new year's show. Uh, Ipecac, I think would do a new year's show every year. Um, out in San Francisco and uh, in one year they had a live album with the Phantomas Melvin's big band so they basically just played both uh, sets of songs and f- with Dale Crover and Dave Lombardo both being on stage um, which is a pretty good recording that's out there
0: yeah which I think is what influenced the Melvins that have two drummers for a few years mm-hmm.
3: um but uh that first one uh is more of a comic book theme it's uh, self-titled uh had great like shiny artwork and boom, boom, pow you got that, 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 that so you got like some of that this is there's no lyrics it's just mike patton doing vocalizations um and but it, it is also very entertaining but director's cut um they are able to meld that um lunacy style with um a brand of music that uh still pays tribute to the the source material um but certainly puts a spin on um uh, for example just see the godfather theme <laughs> It's really going to be about.
0: It's a really cohesive record, too. But overall,
3: good you, stuff. The it's good dir- stuff. Yeah,
0: the director's cut. You can listen to it all the way through, and it's like a good album. But uh, the other one's a little bit more challenging. And yeah, that first one, a lot of percussive vocal stuff going on, but uh, good. I think it's good, that first record. Uh, Eric, what do you think of the, the Phantom Moss over?
3: Um, oh, and uh, real fast, before Eric begins, I just want to say that when you see them live they are in a well-willed machine um it sounds just as tight and um cohesive as it does on record and that's what's the most impressive thing about seeing phantom House live eric
4: so i agree that director's cut is a gem it is up there in this topic but also i've always considered that one of my favorite uh albums it's very very good um Love the take on that. Um, uh, And the Delirium album, which is like one long song, I appreciate that adventure. And it's a satisfying journey if you go on it. Um, for me, though, and I apologize, and I'm going to not try to stay positive, but a lot of the, the other Phantom Moss albums... Introduce what I can't, wh- wh- where I do not follow Mike Patton. Yeah, and this is where we get into this like short attention span theater. 30 second, 45 second songs. Uh, you can't really attach to a groove. Uh, uh, Mike Patton's vocals are whatever sounded good in that moment. Uh, I
1: don't know. Um, this, this, to me, the, this
4: is not, this is not a, I don't, it's hard for me to, uh, to get, I I know what he's doing. He's trying to make a comic book on this record. He's trying to make a cartoon on this record. I get it. Uh this is not a fun listen for me. Um some of those actually like I could I actually find that his vocals his vocalizations almost distracting. I could I could almost follow whatever the rest of the band is doing. Uh in those cases I would say uh, mike Patton more like send Mike packing fair I don't
0: agree with it but it, you know yeah, it's, if uh if you, if it's not working for you it's not gonna start working
4: for you it's uh it's not working yeah. it's not working for me but uh give me, give me director's cut and uh and uh that's it's it's perfect that little set.
2: Song of my heart's
1: composing. I hear it still. I always will. Best. I
0: Wonderful. I saw Phantom Moss a few times live, saw him at Slim's. Then I did go to one of those New Year's Eve things. And at one of those New Year's Eve things, I also got to see the Dillinger Escape Plan play with Mike Patton because they released an EP with Mike Patton called Irony is a Dead Scene. They were in between singers. The Irony is a Dead Scene EP is I remember when it came out and we listened to it at midnight at the Roseville Dimple. It didn't have a midnight release. I just remember that, like the few nerds that were working that night, it was me, Eric. Chris Timmerman and Josh Daniger. Am I rewriting history, Eric? Do you remember that night?
4: I do. I do very well. I do.
0: Yeah. Great. Like, that's oh, that's let's a great put EP. it on. <laughs> Mark wasn't there. Uh, he was at home washing his tights. Yeah, that EP <laughs> came out, and like I, that EP since the first time I heard it to today, it's solid. Just if you like Mike Patton, if you like Dillinger's Escape Plan, if you like technical loud rock, it's great. <laughs> A song called good dogs do bad things which is a great song you get to hear all the different vocal stylings of mr Patton with a different band that you can tell is influenced by faith no more that's just jazz to be doing that stuff with him
4: you got a you got an apex yeah. twin cover yeah come to daddy great that's yeah,
0: four yeah. songs they're all quality any
3: no no it was really good yeah i enjoy that uh quite uh quite a bit i was getting into hardcore music at that point and dillinger's Plan was one of those bands that was starting to get into and having mike patton work with them was kind of peanut butter and jelly
0: and i bet you celebrate it to this day Tomahawk came out uh, around a couple years later. Right after this, Tomahawk was kind of like, hey, this is this is Mike Patton's new rock band. This is going to be the most straight-ahead rock band thing since Faith No More. If Phantom Moss is too much for you, maybe you'll like Tomahawk. That's all kind of true, but it's also a lie. Tomahawk was never really Mike Patton's band. Tomahawk started out as Dwayne Dennison's band from Jesus Lizard. listen to jesus lizard you listen to tomahawk you're like oh that's definitely the same guitar player uh but that doesn't mean that his heart's not in it and i think tomahawk has put out a pretty solid group of records uh tomahawk has put out i think five full lengths um self-titled tomahawk in 2001 mick gas in 2003 anonymous in 2007 which was a series of traditional native american songs Oddfellows Fellows in 2013. And uh, two years ago, Tonic Immobility. Uh, Tomahawk is Mike Patton, Dwayne Dennison, John Stainer on drums from Helmet and Battles. And uh, it used yeah. to be uh, uh, Kevin Rudimus on bass, who was in the Melvins and the Cows. And then when Kevin Les, friend of the show and of this podcast, Trevor Dunn joined on bass. I'm a big Tomahawk, Tomahawk fan. <coughs> I think their albums are all at least B albums but uh, their, first, their second album is my favorite uh, Mick Gass
1: <laughs>
0: but I really like the rest of them Nick Gass has a song on it called Captain Midnight which is uh not a ballad but it has like a, a weird nursery rhyme feel to it and then it gets all heavy and it's got it's Mike Patton insane, doing man. too it's so good. Yeah, he's got he it's so He good. does what he does sometimes. Sometimes Mike Patton has this childlike voice which he uses on that one. You guys know what I'm talking about. The verses for Captain Midnight's the childlike voice.
1: I must you and
0: then. When the chorus is hit, it's kind of like the uh, gentle art of making enemies patent, like the like the gruff like bah! Bah! It's uh, a great mix. Um, the first album too has some bangers that like I'll never forget. one oh one on one. Oh god, great! Oh, he'll never forget him, but he can't remember the god, song.
4: God, god hates a coward. God hates a coward. Hates
3: a coward. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the one. Um uh pop three or something like that like this uh beats that's, gonna win me a grammy that song cats in, that's cats another in the good bag
4: in the bags in the river cats
0: in the bag and the bags in the river yeah that's all a lot of great stuff uh, yeah it's just it's they're rock songs but they're they have a touch of big weirdness to them they're groovy the guitar work to me is actually more important than the vocalizations uh gentlemen, uh favorite tomahawk album, General Tomahawk Ideas.
3: Okay, I'll go first. Um so uh I will say Tomahawk, uh it was a band that I remember reading about in the PRP, uh that old website. It still exists. Uh, it was I still go to it. It still exists. <laughs> And I remember we were at uh, Steven Jason's apartment, and uh, that was the news item that Mike Patton is going to form a band called Tomahawk, and we all enjoyed the name Tomahawk. Uh And uh, not to make sure that it wasn't a Chief Wahoo (laughs) situation, um, you know, there was a respectable uh, nod to Native American music, traditional music, on that Anonymous record, which I actually really kind of enjoy. their best one is certainly Midgas. gas. The first, uh, I saw them twice live, uh, one time when they were touring for their first record. Um, I think they came out dressed as cops and Mike Patton would put like this gas mask on during a song, uh, when he was singing. Um, that was good stuff. Uh, and I remember being really close to the stage, um, uh, on that show. That was great. Uh, where they even like passed out, um, uh, Uh, earplugs. It was good. Um, But Mitt Gas is when they toured with Tool, and boy oh boy, uh, Mike Patton was picking fights that night. Uh, uh, It was during the height of the Lakers and Kings. We were seeing him at Arco Arena. And he is taunting Sacramento. Where's your cowbells? He takes his shirt off. It's a Lakers jersey underneath.
0: One of the greatest things I've ever seen.
3: Pandemonium. Like,
0: like one of the most, like the great, like a full Arco Arena there for Tool. Already annoyed that it's Mike or that it's Tomahawk, which they're not there for.
3: And Tool fans are awful to their opening bands, I, but yeah, I think
0: it's changed probably because they've all gotten older. But definitely back then, and probably for a decade after that. You're right. Uh, and the fact that he was talking shit to this full arena and then takes off his shirt and he has a Lakers. Injury. It was right after the Lakers broke the hearts of every Sacramentan in, in the uh, playoffs. It was, uh, I, I, I tip my hat. Uh, what an amazing, like if you, what if you had that opportunity? Like if you were a super fan of a, uh, a, a team and then you were scheduled to play like at a place where your team like had a hotly contested, like a uh, heartbreaker win. Like, I, I would probably do the same thing. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to take full advantage of this. Like, I just can't. <laughs>
4: oh, it's just amazing. Um, Top yeah. notch. Mike a, plus, is a, sports a plus. Fan. Um, a plus. A plus. A A plus. A plus trolling. That's yeah, it's uh, funny. I Mike just, Patton
3: is a sports fan. I love the fact that he's a big Giants fan, but then just a giant Lakers fan yeah. too.
0: I had, I've had a few run-ins with him uh, and they were all, it was fun. You know, sometimes you meet your heroes and it's fun. I remember at one of those midnight uh, New Year's shows in San Francisco. I was watching the Melvins and I look over to my right and I was like, "It's Mike Pat. And I was like, Ew, Melvins are great, aren't they? And he said, Yeah. That's why I signed them, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's funny. And then a few years later at a Dillinger Escape Plan show in San Francisco, I ran into him at the bar and I and I was like, Hey, man, that thing you I told him, I was like, I can't believe you pulled that shit at Sacramento. I'm from Sacramento and He's like, yeah, you know, I couldn't couldn't resist. You know, what are you, you going to do It's sports? And uh, we talked about Vladi Divok for a while, who went from the Kings back to the Lakers. And that was very funny to me. So there you go. <laughs> that's
3: that's wild.
0: Yeah. But
3: uh, oh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. That's that's a great story.
0: But uh, yeah, uh, the Tomahawk sounds like, Mark, you're you're all in. I uh, on Tomahawk, he does something that I really like, which is he adds to his uh his his cast of characters like the crooked cop. For lack of a better term like there's some character in some tomahawk songs it sounds like this guy that's gonna fucking he's a, he's gonna abuse his power like that's one of the uh just, that's just how some of the uh, the vocalizations <laughs> go it just sounds like a guy that's waiting to pull you over and you know fuck you up
3: so god hits a coward character there it is It's yeah.
0: exactly it
4: far as consistency goes like their albums are pretty fantastic i uh i enjoy the first and second uh second one a lot uh odd fellows has this song called stone letter that i really like um i don't have any notes on the new one but it's fine uh the native american one uh what, what i thought was very interesting about that one is that most of that record was put together uh, not by uh, Mike Patton, Anonymous. Uh, it was mostly put together... I couldn't help but think of some of his vocalizations sound like Ernest Goes to Camp. Mr. Uh, Denison was touring, and he would pop in an Indian reservations and get what their sound was. Uh, Mike Patton allegedly kind of phoned his part in. I think the music is much more interesting than than the vocals on that record, but overall, Tomahawk I think is is a great rock band. I enjoy it a lot.
0: I think uh, one consistent uh, aspect of it, besides the guitar playing, is also the drums. Uh, John Stainer, very consistent drummer. The guy likes a good like you know uh, tight beat. You'll find that on Helmet, but also definitely in Battles. A Good drummer
4: battles is great if you haven't listened to battles that'll that'll fill your weekend with some joy
0: It's, it's hard to expand battles. You just got to check them out. Dead Cross is kind of a return to a punkier, thrashier type thing. Uh, Dead Cross didn't start out as a project he was even in. Uh, the, the original singer left. It again has John, John Lombardo or Dave Lombardo from Slayer. And then a member of the Locust. And um, first album's okay. Second album, Patton had more of a hand in writing. It's thrashy and hardcore-ish. I like it, but uh, it's, it's nothing to write home about, but I enjoy listening to it. That's Dead Cross. Is that your assessment, gentlemen? Nothing to write home about, but not bad.
3: Yeah, I concur. There's nothing here that blows my hair back, but when I listen to it, I'm not like, oh my God, are we almost done here? Because it blows by really fast, but it's not something I would ever really think to return to when I'm in the Mike Patton mood.
4: Yeah, I I actually like the music a lot. I feel like Mike Patton is in like, he's like in low energy mode on that somehow, because it's very high energy music. Uh, But it, he, he, whatever mode he's in, he finds it. He finds the right crux where it works. It, it absolutely works, but, um, he could, he could meet the music a little bit more, but it's fine. I like it.
0: This next batch, I'm going to lump them all together. This is from Mike Patton's known as a crooner as well. We know that. And, uh, he's done, a, he's done some stuff where he, the focus is on the crooning. These are all just various records that uh, the, the the first and foremost, just uh, it was uh, the Velvet Throat, if you will. You got Lovage, Peeping Tom, Mondo Kane, Kada, which is him and a guy named Kada, And then also a record he put out with somebody named Jean-Claude Vanier a couple years ago. Lovage is an all timer. It was released at the uh, like 2002 and it is Trip Hop ish with Dan the Automator. Solid, solid record. Why your bloodshot stares?
2: In all of my dreams I
1: never thought I'd see
2: A face that could launch a thousand ships
0: Tom, better than I, re- I remembered. It took the guy like six years to make it. Um, when it finally came out, when I went back and listened to it, it was better than I recall. I think I originally didn't like it much when it first came out because I just was not in the mood for it. It kind of sounds like 2006-ish hip-hop production with Mike Patton and guest stars. It's okay. It's pretty good. It's got a song on it called I'm Your Neighborhood Spaceman, which is awesome. In your
1: head, the not let go your sin.
0: Mondo Kane, I didn't really listen to it much until we recorded this. Mondo Cain's incredible. Mondo Cain is Mike Patton singing old Italian standards in Italian and with a 40 piece orchestra. I can't believe how good Mondo Kane is. No. da I got it years ago. Didn't really listen to it. Listen to it again recently. Uh, the whole Kada experience is uh, kind of like atmospheric. Um, haunting. It's pretty good. And this Patton and Jean-Claude Veneer record is one I didn't discover until we were doing the podcast this month. Way better than I expected. Um, if you're looking for something, like if you, Mark, if you got a blind hole you're trying to fill with Patton, that Jean-Claude Veneer album is uh, its going to scratch your crooner itch, along with Mondo Kane if you ever never got around to listening to that one. So Lovage, Peeping Tong, Mondo Kane, Kada, and Jean-Claude Veneer.
3: I mean, I'll start with Lovage. I mean, that's an album that you can really put on uh, in front of anybody. Uh, they have a really good Berlin cover of uh, Sex. i am uh, that's, that's a good song. Uh, book of the Month. Um, and that was the uh, concert that we famously had our good friend Jason um, be pulled up on stage to give Mike Patton a massage. And then uh, Mike Patton gave him a massage and then tipped our friend Jason a dollar. And then he probably bought like a Coke the very next day because that, that was our Jason. Yep. Um, and yeah. Uh, I will say that um, I'm not the biggest fan of Peeping Tom. I I think that there's uh, some okay songs on there, but for the most part, the album just doesn't quite hang. It had a lot of hype going into it that this was a project that was supposed to have been he's been working on for years and was going to be you know something that was going to be uh he would be remembered for but it just came out and it just did not do it for yeah, me. Yeah, I think by the time um, I think I made the joke of fine young cannibals. By the time it finally came out <laughs> Cannibals fi- uh, fun-loving criminals. Fun-loving criminals uh, Scooby Snacks. That's what I thought that this particular um album sounded like
0: that's harsh by uh, by the time by the time it finally came out it was too late i think it took too long like it the the hype it took the hype didn't live up to the hype because how could it um only thing that ever lived only thing that ever took that long and lived up to the hype was chinese democracy i'll hear no (laughs) and then but then also yeah by the time it came out like it just sounded dated i don't like it just something about it just sounded like hey if it was 2002 this would be great but it's 2006 and it didn't sound good yeah not bad but yeah it, it played against
3: it and then uh kada uh kata i uh i think i did listen to it once um but it's been so long and i didn't revisit it and i have listened to mondo Kane. good italian stuff you know mike patton is uh Speaks a lot of different languages and he's able to then uh, show that on this uh, record. And uh, I think that's it. I, I, yeah. Lovage is the best out of all of that.
0: Go listen to that. Jean Claude Meneer album. I'm telling you, Eric, any opinions on the crooner batch?
4: I mean, that is definitely a vibe for Mike Patton. That is respectable. I do agree that Lovage is awesome. It's Mike Patton and Jennifer, Jennifer Charles from Elysian Fields on vocals. You've got, uh, Dan, the automator who was at that time in the early aughts, a top notch producer. He had done, uh, he had done, uh, the Dr. Octagon record. He had done the handsome boy modeling school, Um, uh, among many things just amazing amazing producer kid koala who could actually scratch in tune kid koala could scratch in tune that's right lovage is the the perfect like mesh of that early aughts hip-hop meets other stuff like alternative hip-hop it was great
3: uh, I mean, uh, not to cut you off, but this yeah. uh, album kind of was the gateway for me into Handsome Boy Modeling School, which is – this is like a spiritual like sequel to it. And then Deltron 3030. Those were yeah. like – Yeah. This record was existing within that orbit.
4: Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and Deltron 3030 is one of the best like hip-hop concept albums of all time. So good. The first Handsome Boy – album is amazing. The second one has Mike Patton on two tracks. It's pretty good. But Dan, the Automator is getting into some crossover stuff where you've got, I don't know, Sam Smith or uh, whoever at the time it it
1: Sam Smith. It
4: was it was fine, but it was it was not hip hop. It was uh, they were casting their net a little too wide where uh, it lost a little bit of its credibility. Um, that being said, peeping Tom, uh, is, I actually pretty much agree with Mark. It, it captures a couple great songs, but, and the whole thing is absolutely listenable, but it's a little late. It's a little late Yeah. and Mike Patton was involved with the stuff when it was, when the irons were hot in the fire. Very interesting that he just sat on it for so long but no, that's uh, what happens
0: when you when you got doing phantom Mosh, doing tomahawk at the same time didn't get a chance to go back to true. the studio it's true and,
4: you know it's true do it it's true
0: but did, did but, you uh, listen did you listen to mondo kane did you listen to mondo kane
4: i did not i did not i did not
0: i'd say that uh if, you're to, if you did if you have it within you to listen to anything that we you, you didn't get around to in your deep dive mondo kane would be uh one of the things to get into Yeah, that's that's the other artists that were the actual artists. And uh, we'll do a couple quick hits here and then we'll be done. Uh, I'm just going to go through and read this list of uh, this is not even a comprehensive list of guest stars. I'd say this is half of it. And when I kick it to you guys, it's just because you might have an opinion on it, but you're not going to have an opinion on most of most of these because they were surprises to me. Means that they definitely are surprises to Eric and maybe Mark. yeah, Mark has no time for nonsense. He's in his forties now, so I don't. I don't see him sitting down and me. I'm like, oh, I want to go see what the uh, the Dub Trio did with Mike Patton. Yeah, he did put out a few songs with Bjork. You guys remember that album Medulla, the Bjork with the uh, Patton
4: and uh, Well, that, that's that's fucking cool because her whole thing on that one was like mouth music. So it was Roselle from the Roots and Mike Patton, who had made a career of mouth music at that point. That, and then Bjork they have kind of sounds songs like together. Nell when
0: she talks, so it's all ties together. Yeah.
4: There's two songs on that record that, that, that Mike Patton's on with Roselle that are really cool.
0: Probably the last Bjork album I bought. I bought her first five albums. I used to be a big fan. Uh, the Alan-Johannes trio. If you find the, the song, or Elaine-Johannes trio, if you find the work he did with them, it's actually pretty good. I don't know how to describe it, and I'm not going to try it now. Uh, Carla Hassett, that was something. Dan the Automator he worked with, we just talked about that. He was on Deltron 3030, we talked about that. The The Deltron 3030, the second one, which I don't even remember what the hell that was all about. Uh, his stuff with the Dub Trio is pretty fun. He worked with Fetus, which makes sense. Foetus, Jim Thrillwell. Uh, Guano Padano, couldn't even tell you what that was, but at a certain point I knew what it was. Uh, Eric already touched on the Handsome Boy Modeling School. Kid 606. Now that song is actually pretty good. There's an album called Kid 606 it was like Glitchy Down with the Scene came out in 2000. A song called Secrets for Sale. Mark, remember that song Secret for Sale? Kid 606 and Mike Patton?
3: No, Uh, I got to tell you, some of this stuff, I remember seeing the slate of artists on Ipecac and I did try to catch a few of them, but man, I mm-hmm. gave up on that quest you pretty quickly. You never listen
0: to Secrets for Sale. You should listen to that song. That's all I'm going to say.
3: Is it a good one? It well, is good, yeah. It's, yeah.
0: It's, that's it. That's, that's Just listen. Because
3: uh, Kids 606, I think I remember hearing uh, some of their stuff, and it was just the sound of a dial-up modem yeah, for about the, an hour. That's
0: exactly what it is. But that that's the one good song they have.
3: Um, okay. They did
4: a, a remix of Sounded and Vision by David Bowie.
0: There you go. Yeah, he worked on uh, Naked City with uh, John Thorne. He did stuff with Team Sleep. Before Team Sleep recorded an album, he did something with Team Sleep. He worked with Mel Banana, Subtle, Sepultura, The Melvins, of course, the, the song G.I. Joe, and uh, Sparks, Soul Savers. Yeah, there's a song out there where it's Mark Lanigan and, and Mike Patton. Look that one up. Mark Lanigan and Mike Patton on the same song. on The album uh, called Soul Savers on a song called Unbalanced Pieces.
3: Look for that. Wasn't Dave Gahan also on a Soul Savers? Is Is that where, like...
0: This is pre or post Dave Gahan. Yeah, one of the two. Maybe the same album. He's worked with the young gods. He's worked with with everybody. I could could keep going, but I'm not going to. If I were to keep going...
3: The Executioners... The Executioner's oh, General Patton. We like, didn't talk about remember that? that thing? Yeah, we
0: didn't talk about that record. Damn it, yeah. we should have. General Patton versus The Executioner's was actually a good record. That was uh, that was him against a bunch of DJs. Uh, did you listen to that one, Eric?
4: I did. I did. I mean, didn't, yeah. Didn't he blow your mind, years, huh? That's
3: all Eric will say yeah. about that.
1: <laughs> he
4: that's did his give, like, huh? little vocal... This little vocal scratches. His
0: little vocal
4: his- scratches. He's
0: getting dismissive yeah. now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it that tells me I got around it. Up. No, honestly, if I were to, I already I thought think of, this. One album of that.
4: would have, would have, one song of that would have done the trick. Uh, that I said, disagree. Like, if you listen, it, it, comes, it, sounds like a oh, good
0: mixtape. Bullshit.
4: All right. All right. Well, maybe I'm being dismissive, but I will say you mentioned subtle. Yeah, dose one. Yeah, uh, he did an album with dose one and uh, the one of the guys from TV on the radio.
0: That's right. It's
4: called Never Men. good the Never the Neverman. That's yep. a really cool album. I, I, I really think that's that's a that's a bizarre, but it works kind of album that uh, Neverman. Check it out.
0: Yeah, we could keep going, folks. If we were to go through this whole thing here. It'd be like the that one episode we never released where I just read a Wikipedia article about uh, LucasArts (laughs) video games. Um, We're not going to keep going. But uh, the point is, is that uh, Mike Patton worked with a lot of people. The the many artists that he he worked with proper and released actual albums uh, with are almost all worth seeking out. The majority of them have some very high highs and the lows are usually at least uh, enjoyable. There's a reason that many people still go back to his uh, discography. He also scored movies. He also did work in video games, vocal work in video games. He's done it all. That Mike Patton. I'm home. I'm home. most important thing that we the last record we'll talk about tonight before we roll the dice is on Ipecac Records there was an album called uh Great Phone Calls and it was a comedic album and it was done by Neil Hamburger the uh the comedian the uh, real name like uh, Greg Kirkenden who I believe I believe Eric and Mark are big celebrators of his podcast um
3: On cinema cinema. uh, that he does with Tim Heidecker, yeah. Yeah. But uh, and every now and then he'll be on Office Hours in his uh, Neil Hamburger character. Yeah,
0: Neil Hamburger is a crack up. He's ridiculous. Like it's so bad he's a good comedian. But
3: on this one, one, when we saw Faith No More, he emceed that night. Yeah,
0: that's right. There's, there's. This is just a CD of phone calls and Mike Patton's on one of them, and they're just. This is back when you could crank call people. It's just jerky boys bullshit. But there's a guy, that, Mike Patton calls somebody in the middle of the night and he's like, hey, you teach sax lessons? And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, can I do them at midnight? And she's like, why? He's all, I play music. I play music of the night. Read my lips. For the night. Yeah, music for the night. Read my lips. Scary. <laughs> <It's> just,
3: <laughs> you got to hear it. Listen. And, and I think he even <laughs> asked that woman, you know, the difference between your dad and I. I'll fuck you. <laughs> and uh that's it. that's 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 where we
0: reached that's the difference yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what made mark a fan um all right so there you go the mike Patton season which is now going to be three episodes they're all long is in the books so what's next all
4: right
3: all right eric uh
0: We've touched on so many, so many artists that were influenced by this guy, and uh, are from this this, this area. What, what could possibly spin out of all this?
4: That's a four.
3: A four. Well, guys, it is time to put on a little makeup. It is time to uh, whatever the rest of that song goes. We'll get into that. <laughs> but our next destination, uh, we're not going up. We're going to the System of a Down, nominated by Steven. Oh, toxicity. For the album. That's right. Toxicity of Our City. You see? Right. Re- released in 2000. So there you go. What? We are going to be talking about somebody who... Uh, Jinko jeans. 2001, actually. It was actually a week before September 11th. Wow. Um,
4: so we're going to well, be sitting in go. New Metal. We're going to be sitting in New Metal a little longer.
0: It's, All right. it's too, a little All right. longer. All right. right. We right. never even touched on new metal, real new metal. No, this is a. Unfortunately, we're not going to do discography episodes anymore, so we can't go traipsing to the cornfield to celebrate this episode coming up. But uh, what are you going to do?
3: <laughs> but I'm actually excited. I haven't done a run through of System of Down in a bit. um, And uh, I'm very intrigued to see what Eric has to say about old I System of Down. S O A D
4: one song i only know one song search <laughs> and uh we'll see what, what happens the best time activity
2: the toxicity of our city of our city no, what are you on the wall how do you own the
1: starter the starter
3: And it's probably chop suey. Um, Yeah,
4: definitely chop suey. Spoiler alarm. Definitely is chop suey. It's it's a great
0: song. All right. Well, uh, this is Steve and Mark and Eric. And until we go to toxicity, we hope we brought you closer. To Pat. There you go. (laughs) Closer to Pat. Closer to closer to Pat. (laughs) Pat. I love
3: you.
1: Huh? <laughs> yeah, you give
2: sax lessons.
1: Not this time of the night. You-
2: Why not this time of the night? I'm only up this time of the night. Uh, I play music of the night.
1: Uh, uh if you could call at what is it 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. No, 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 I'm not awake during the day. Uh, Read oh, my oh, lips.
2: My Scary. Sorry,
1: the instructor is not available right now.
2: Oh man, Thank you. why are you guys in the in the goddamn Yellow Pages then, the fucking, the, the goddamn, uh, what is it, oh no, it's the weekly.
3: Oh well, my goodness, this is... In
2: parentheses, no gig, too scary. But this... And that's just what I am.
1: Studio, I'm sorry, you call back... You want to know the difference between your dad and me, I'll fuck ya.